Welcome once again to First Reading, the Old Testament lectionary podcast for preachers and all other lovers of the Hebrew Scriptures. I'm Tim McNinch. And I'm Rachel Wren. We are just a couple of weeks out from our Thoroughbred episode with Dr. Carol Newsom, when we'll be covering more of Jeremiah. Uh, but we're still sitting in Jeremiah for now, and we've got a mini episode from Tim McNinch, a sort of hobby horse episode, which, if you don't remember, it's one of those toys there. It's got a stick with a horse's head on top, which I swear, it's amazing how the simplest toys are the things that the kids like the most. But anyway, I digress. Tim, what have you got for us this week on Jeremiah chapter 4? All right, transitioning from the hobby horse into the text here. (laughs) uh, I wanted to note that the the lectionary slices up this text uh, somewhat significantly. So uh, chapter 4, 11 to 12, these verses are an announcement of divine judgment. And then the lectionary skips about 10 verses ahead skips verses that contain some of the particulars of the judgment, and then verses 22 to 28, which are a part of the, the lectionary text, uh, include the divine rationale for bringing this disaster upon the people of Judah, and a picture there of this sort of post-apocalyptic, desolate aftermath of the divine judgment. So here's what I want to say about all this. <sighs> This is a really hard kind of text to preach. It's just hard, especially when you're just grabbing these verses out of their context. This oracle of doom is part of a whole prophetic book, and it really has its place in that broad expanse of the book of Jeremiah, where the whole thing is meant to be slowly mulled over and meditated upon and prayed through. So I just feel like trying to rip these six or eight verses out of Jeremiah to sort of dump onto your congregation for a 10 or 20 minute nicely packaged little homily before everyone goes out to brunch, it's just sort of a losing effort. So if I can, I want to jump like right away to a preaching angle on this text. Mm-hmm. And w- what I'd say is, um, I mean, you can, you all can do whatever you want with this, but I would recommend utilizing this text only if you're willing to spend at least a few weeks in Jeremiah Mm. making this part of its bigger context and Mm. so to preach this as part of an extended invitation to pray and to meditate over the meaning of Jeremiah's warnings for our own generation so that sort of big preaching caveat uh, put out there uh, a few exegetical tips from this particular uh, excerpt In verses 11 through 12, which the lectionary picks up to kind of set the context of judgment, there's this image of the hot wind of God's judgment, which is a a metaphor in this context for the invading armies of empire. In Jeremiah's time, that would have meant the Babylonians, who eventually did sweep over the land like a hot wind and destroy Jerusalem. But Jeremiah sees this not just as the outworking of international politics and conflict, but as a direct action of God. In the aftermath, Jeremiah envisions the land as empty and desolate. Verse 23 says, I looked at the earth and it was tohu vavohu, the same chaotic emptiness described in Genesis 1-2. And there was no light in the heavens, also recalling that same verse, Genesis 1-2, before God had said, let there be light. 
So Jeremiah is picturing the judgment of Judah as a kind of rolling back or an undoing of God's whole creative vision for the world and especially for the people of Israel. Now verse 28 paints this as a certain unavoidable future. God has purposed it and will not turn back from it, which is a pretty bleak picture. But I think it's not quite as unambiguous as all that. The lectionary skips over verse 14, which says, Wash your heart of evil, Jerusalem, so that you may be saved. So even this picture of what seems like certain doom has a hint of conditionality in it. There is always an opportunity for repentance. Otherwise, as we've said before, why would God send a prophet? So this bleak passage of warning, as I've said, is hard to preach in our context. We're We're gospel people, and we live with a hope that pushes away fear of condemnation and judgment. In fact, that's the direction that the New Testament readings for the week take us, as if to say, all that doom and gloom in Jeremiah, that would be our fate. But Jesus has saved us from that, and that can preach well. But as usual, we want to encourage a reading of the Old Testament on its own terms, and not just as a foil for the New Testament readings. So, one possible angle for this text capitalizes on the wisdom language that's in verse 22, which calls the people foolish for developing their skill at doing evil. Wisdom in the Hebrew scriptures blends divine justice with what we might call natural consequences for actions. In other words, part of the message of this text is that those who continue to do evil with impunity, thinking that there will be no consequences, have another thing coming. Persistent evil in a society will engender societal collapse. That's the wisdom message. That message of warning, I think it does seem to ring true in our modern context. For those of us living in the American empire, we can get this sense that our stable society is impervious to failure. But as you probably know, every great empire has seen its downfall, and we're not immune to such forces. If we as a society continue to hone our skills at doing evil, as Jeremiah puts it in verse 22 here, out of greed and ambition, then we can expect consequences to unfold just as they did for Jeremiah's Judah, or for Babylon, or Rome, or the Third Reich, and others. Jeremiah says that it's simply foolish to spend your energy getting wise at doing evil. Why not turn our creativity and ingenuity toward doing good? So you'll have to think through what kind of a call for action this text could inspire in your congregation and how to avoid oversimplifying it into bland moralism. Now be nice to everyone. (laughs) But there is potential, I think, in this text for some large-scale cultural critique. So if you do opt to include this one in your Jeremiah series, it'll be important to tie it to what your congregation is doing or planning to do to promote justice in your wider community. So I hope that this little rambling here points you in the right direction towards that. Good luck with it. Yeah, no, I think I think you bring up some really good entrees into this text and some good points too. I It strikes me as I think about... Um, 
some of my friends who are not religious, um, either of my generation or even of the little bit younger generation, one of the things they often seem to point to is the the hypocrisy of religion, especially here Christianity. I'm thinking of um, where they talk about people come to church and talk about love and forgiveness and justice, and then go out as church people and do horrible things. And one of the things that this text makes really clear is that God wants no part in that. Uh, That representation of religion is one that God rejects in the strongest possible terms. Um, And there's, there's an authenticity to that rawness, which people in your congregation might appreciate or uh, a Bible study in a Bible study scenario as well. Mm -hmm. The other thing that occurred to me as you were talking is the way you hear this text might depend on your position in society. You know, I'm a a white heterosexual woman of an upper middle class. I live in a pretty good area of society. So the thought of burning everything to the ground is Hmm. terrifying to me. Right. Um, But if you are um, one of the groups of society who is constantly oppressed by society, told that you are unwelcome or that something in you is wrong because of the who you are, the color of your skin, the people you love, uh, there can be days when you want to burn it all to the ground. And I can, I can sympathize with that. Mm-hmm. So um, I think this, there, there are some options to this text. Uh, you may just, yeah, have to walk your congregation and yourself through it. So. Yep. Well, well done, Tim, with a, with a tough text. Uh, if you enjoyed our podcast for today, we invite you to head on over to firstreadingpodcast.com. There you can find more of our episodes and links to some of the works of our guest experts in the past. If you haven't subscribed yet, do that wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, I'm Rachel Wren. And I'm Tim McNinch. Good luck, everyone. <laughs> oh, wait, I had a funny joke. I was going to start that with saying, okay, Tim, it's time for you to get off your hobby horse. <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty proud of that. All right. All right. Okay. All right. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs>